Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. You can be seated. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter 12. 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. It's April. Something happens in April in all of the fitness gyms around America. The attendance drops off. Here's what happens. Every January, there's this incredible boost, like a 30 to 40% boost in membership in gyms, fitness clubs. People are excited. It's a new year. They're turning over a new leaf, making this resolution. They're going to get fit and get in shape. And so they sign up, and then after a month goes by, two months, by April, all of those memberships are made up of pretty much absentee gym people. And some of you know what that's like. Those gyms make their money. If you you study that, they make their money. Half of their money comes from people who never go to the gym, absentee gym members, And the other half comes from diehard gym attenders who are there doing all the special fitness with trainers and all that stuff. But half of their income comes from people who never attend. Now, I thought about, as we talk about the church today, the local body of believers, how many folks sign up, they make a commitment to membership, and they're excited and eager to get involved and do great things. And after life starts to happen, their enthusiasm and their commitment begins to wane. So what I thought I would do this morning is look at some of the benefits of belonging to a local body of believers. This morning, after this worship service, we're going to have our Next Steps luncheon. And that's designed to be an entry point for people who are interested in being a part of Coastal Oaks Church. We're going to talk about our mission and our values, what we believe, just briefly, about 45 minutes. And then give people an opportunity to make a commitment to belong to this body. So I thought today would be a good time to look at this truth. But many of us here have already made a commitment to the local church we made a commitment to Christ as our Savior. We made a commitment to the local church to, to one another. And maybe today you just need a little bit of a reminder, a refresher course on what it's all about to be a member of the body. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, what, where would the sense of smell be? But God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. And if they are all the same part, if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts in one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary the parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor, 
and our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. Verse 26, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Paul lists in here some of the benefits. He talks about the diversity, the uniqueness of the body. And I'd like us to look at at seven statements about what belonging means. And it might be seven reasons to stay connected to a local body of believers or seven reasons you might want to join a church or be a church member. So let's look at these opportunities. First of all, belonging means you have an opportunity to be an indispensable part of a family. Belonging means you have an opportunity to be an indispensable part of a family. Did you see the analogy here that Paul uses saying how important each individual part is? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said Christianity means community. That means that if you're a Christ follower, it is a given that you're going to be connected with a local body of believers and have intimacy with them, a spiritual, emotional intimacy with the the body of believers as you grow together. And he mentions the, the different parts, the foot, the hand, the eye, the head, the feet, all those things. They're important. Where would the body be if we didn't have a sight? Where would the body be if we didn't have hearing? Where would the body be if we didn't have the feet, the hands, and so forth? What is important to be connected and understand I am an indispensable part of this church family. Paul gives this this picture, says, what if the eye were to say, I'm not important because I can't hear? Or what if the ear would say, I'm not important? All of those things, Paul says, they are important. He could just go down and talk about fingers and toes. Who would say, I'm not important. Let me tell you something. No matter who you are, no matter what your role, the Bible is clear. You are an indispensable part of God's family. You may not know it, you may not see it, others may not see it, but the Bible's clear. You're an indispensable part of his family. When I was a teenage young man, I had a a van that I purchased with my own money, and then I went and purchased wheels and tires that cost as much or more than the van. That's what teenage boys do. And when I bought those those tires, I was so excited that, that I didn't want anybody to steal them. And there came a time when I needed to change the tire on that van. So I got out the stuff and I gathered everything together. And I had what I needed. I had a jack. That was good. That's always a relief. I had the jack handle. You need that. I had the tire tool. I found that. I even had a spare tire with air in it. So everything was going good. And I get to the point of changing the tire. And you know what I realize? I can't find the little key that goes with the locking lug nuts that I bought. So nobody would steal my wheels. And so I, I panic and I go, oh yeah, I remember that now. Where is that? So I go through everything, every place I can find to find out where that little key is. And I discovered that you can have all the tools, but if you don't have that one indispensable part, you're not changing that tire. And I had to find it. Let me, let me just say again, you are important to the family of God, no matter where you are, no matter who you are. You may be in the glove compartment. Do we ever keep gloves in that place anyway? You may be in the trunk, but there will come a time where the body will recognize you're an indispensable part of this body. Number two, belonging means you have opportunities. The second opportunity, it means we have an opportunity to express our uniqueness. Belonging, connected to a local body means you have this opportunity to express your uniqueness, your differences. Boy, you talk about diversity that's mentioned in chapter 12. Look with me at Romans chapter 12. 
Romans chapter 12. By the way, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 are kind of companion passages as they talk about the body of Christ and the giftedness. Look at verse 3 in Romans 12. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. By the way, some of you just needed that today. Seriously, maybe that's all you need to hear today. Verse 3. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, companion passage, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Verse 6. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service in serving, if teaching in teaching, if exhorting in exhortation. One guy misread that and he said he had the gift of extortion. It's exhorting, exhorting, exhortation. If giving, then with generosity. If leadership or leading, then with diligence. If showing mercy, with cheerfulness. This picture of the body of Christ being being a, a gathering of people who are different and unique. Just look at the person next to you. Talk about different, right? Some of you are actually doing that. Good for you. We are different. God has made us different. We have different backgrounds. We all came to Christ differently. I met a lady from Iran in the, in, after the first service this morning who came out of a Muslim background. Boy, you talk about different background. We're different. We bring different baggage with us. Did you know that? Talk to some of our folks in the church who do counseling. We'll tell you, we all have baggage. We come from different places with different baggage. We're unique. But the Bible says in Romans 12 here, even in all that uniqueness, God has gifted us with a ministry gift, a spiritual gift, and we're to use it to build up and edify the body. So important. Belonging means you have these opportunities to express your uniqueness. When those opportunities come up, we need to celebrate that. Sometimes we say, well, that's not my thing. Well, thank God it's somebody's thing. That's not my gift. Well, it may not be, but it's a good thing God gave that gift to someone else. Celebrate that uniqueness. Express that in the body of Christ. Belonging means you have that opportunity. Number three, belonging means you have an opportunity to invest in eternity. To invest in eternity. Now stay with me, okay? I think this is an important one. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Jesus teaching his disciples about investing in eternity. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break it and steal. But collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can I just paraphrase? Jesus is saying, don't invest just in the things of this world because it's temporary. It's going to rust and fall apart. You're going to park it out there in the corner of the parking lot for so long to keep from getting dinged, and it's going to get dinged eventually. You're going to protect it with your life eventually. Something's going to happen to it. He says, don't invest in that. Invest in things that will last for eternity. Your treasure's in heaven. Can I just just say, when we come together as a body of believers, we have these special offerings. We have regular offerings. 
Uh, every Sunday morning, our, our membership brings their tithes to the Lord, and there's an offering envelope that's in those pockets in front of you, and I think the new ones have a picture of a wheat, wheat on them. It's to be a reminder that, that you're planting. It's to be a reminder that God's going to bring the harvest, that you're investing in something that God's going to give the increase. When I pulled out my iPhone this morning and did my online giving and dialed it up there and punched it in, it's, I just thought, God, thank you for the privilege of doing this. Thank you. And we have offering boxes, and some people give on their computers, but there's, there's another neat opportunity. I just said, God, thank you that I can do this. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. We're investing in eternity. We need to be careful. Recent news about pastors saying they need money for a new jet. You know? Really? I guess I could probably justify that. But spend enough time. I'm talking about investing in things that are going to make a difference. Eternity. Recently, we've watched baptisms here. Because you gave and invested in eternity, those people heard the gospel and have come to Christ. We've been able to baptize them. Because you give through our local church to missions, people are hearing the gospel we, part of our budget goes to what's called our cooperative program. It's our mission entity in our denomination. And that money is pooled with all other congregations in our denomination. And, and it supports like 5,000 missionaries overseas. And we have missionaries in America. It supports that. And in addition to that, our church has budgeted where we give money to missionaries who've been called out of our church. We're supporting people in Thailand right now. Recently, Cindy Campbell, who's ministering with Light for Asia there. That ministry is in Pattaya, Thailand, and they stand on a pier that is inundated with Chinese tourists who are over there for their holiday, and they hand Bibles out to these Chinese tourists, and they take them back to China. And that's an incredible ministry. Many of you have been there to do that with us. Uh, They just celebrated, after about 21 months of ministry, giving away 200,000 Bibles to the Chinese. Pretty exciting. And they tell us that for every one of those Bibles, 10 people will read the Bible. So you do the math. How many people have been reached with the gospel because you gave? And when they, when they say 10 people read the Bible, it's not, you know, a verse a day will keep the devil away. When they get their hands on a Bible, they devour it. They're hungry for it. Because you invested in eternity, we've taken the gospel to China. So many opportunities to give. Investing in eternity. It's a hard attitude. It's a privilege. Just recently, my daughter is on a mission team that's in India right now. and She's on that 11 countries in 11 months. That'll wear you out. They're in India right now, but last month when they were still in Bolivia, one of her teammates just posted on Facebook just briefly, uh, please pray for me if I don't get, it's like $1,000 or something, I'm going to have to come home. They have a, a deadline that they have to meet. So I was praying about, you know, I've helped Carissa, my daughter. I thought, man, I'm going to help Nick out. So I had some money designated. I, I, I love motorcycle racing. I mean, I, I love might be a strong word, but it is what it is, okay? And I'd been looking forward and, and, uh, to going to Houston to watch the Supercross race because it's close by, and I mean, it's a national thing. I'm so excited. I had this money set aside to go see the race, and God started talking to my heart, Kevin, what about Nick? Is Nick more important than that race? Let me pray about it, Lord, okay? <laughs> I, I knew right away. I, I, I said, okay. So I'd been talking to somebody about going, and, and I said, look, I, I, I'm not going because God's convicted me to help this guy out. And by the way, that person I was talking to helped him out too. So I gave that money to Nick online. Another neat opportunity. 
Not too long after that, I get a call from the buddy I'd been talking to. He said, hey, he said, uh, I'm buying the tickets. Let's go. Yeah. So praise the Lord. That's the way God works. So I got to go to Houston. I got to meet my childhood hero and do all that neat stuff and also got to invest in eternity. That's the way God works it. That's the way God does it. Belonging means you get to invest in something like that. Lives being changed. And then God comes back and blesses you. Belonging means you have opportunities, number four, to practice love and unity. Opportunities to practice love and unity. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just looking at verse 25. I'll find it. After Paul describes the uniqueness of the body and the many parts, he says, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. That's so that, just is letting you know, all that stuff is real about the body and the parts so that, so that the members would have concern for each other. So that if one member suffers, verse 26, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members will rejoice. The Bible is so clear. There are over 30 commands in the New Testament that, that are to be fulfilled within the body of believers. All the, the one another's. Love one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, accept one another, and on and on and on. The Bible discusses those. As I, I was praying through love and unity and thinking about this opportunity we have in the body of believers, I, I just listed a few things. First of all, the, just as I think about love, Paul says that we're to put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Jesus said in John chapter 13, this is how all people will know that you're my disciples. How? That you have love for one another. Now, what an opportunity to demonstrate to a lost world, a world without Christ, that he is Lord. How do you do that? By loving one another. That takes place in the body. That's the benefit of the body. I thought about forgiveness and acceptance. Listen to Colossians 3, verse 13. We're to be accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone is to complain against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk worthy of your calling, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. And in Romans 15, Therefore, accept one another as Christ has accepted you. An opportunity to forgive one another. Now listen, folks, we're all going to need to be forgiven at some point by somebody in this body. If you don't believe that, just hang on. Just come back next week. Somebody's going to do something, you're going to do something, they're going to be offended, you're going to hurt them, they're going to hurt you, and forgiveness has to come in. I read recently about a well-known pastor who had been traveling and people had brought him into these conferences, and at the end of one of the conferences, he was shaking hands with a bunch of guys, pastors that were there, and the person who was with him was trying to move him along, you know, from one airport to a meeting to another airport. He, he's kind of, let's go, and, and he told this well-known pastor, he said, you know, do you really need to shake hands with all these guys? Because some of you are never going to see again. And this is what he said. He said, well, I may be here because of those guys. And even if I'm not, even if I didn't need them on the way up, I may need them on the way down. See, even if you don't need this body to exalt you and lift you up and give you uh, encouragement, there's going to be a time where you mess up. And you're going to need this body to love you on the way down. 
And I thought about uplifting words as I worked through that. We've talked about in James chapter, as we looked at James of the uh, 2, 3 in there about the tongue and not gossiping. But I just want to look at the positive side of this uplifting words. Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. There's that word benefit again. Can I paraphrase that? Instead of saying words that are going to tear people down, use words that are going to lift people up. We all need to push up. Boy, at one of our recent business meetings, a recently called business meeting, we had a presentation by our construction team. And the presentation was, we finally have a general contractor. Here's how much money it's going to cost to build this first phase of remodeling our children's wing. So we've been talking about this and thinking about the money that's in the bank, what we could do with it. We could do this, we could do this, we could do this. And once everything came in and the bids came back, we discovered that to build the first phase, the first phase, which is to relocate the offices and build a conference center, the first phase is going to take all the money we have in the bank. And you could just feel the air go out of the room because we'd all, many of us thought we're going to be able to do a whole bunch more with that money. Man, I was inside having a little pity party. Does anybody ever do that? Of course, on the pastor's side, you know, I was smiling. I probably wasn't smiling that day. I was just thinking, Lord, really? We're so looking forward to doing more with this. One of our ladies said, you know, pastor, as long as we've been here, all the debt-free ministry that we do, God has always given us just enough to do what's it needed at the moment. And God gave us just enough to do that. You know what? We thought the need was to do a whole bunch of stuff, but God said, here's what you're going to need for that first phase. I'm going to provide it. And it is what we have in the bank to do the first phase. And that, that's an uplifting word to me. This pastor needed to be reminded of that. I love it when my sermons come back at me. I mean, I, sometimes I love it when they come back at me. <laughs> See, belonging means we have this opportunity to uplift one another, to practice that love and unity. When's the last time you just said something encouraging to somebody in this body? Or did you just show up wanting somebody to encourage you, making it all about you? Somebody stopped me in the parking lot coming over from our connection class and just said, Pastor, I said, first of all to Kelly, my wife, you don't need all that bling to be sparkly. You're already sparkly. She's not going to stop wearing the bling. And then he looked at me and I said, what, do I need to start wearing bling? He said, no, no, don't do that. But he gave me an encouraging word about worship, uplifting Number five, belonging means you have opportunities to practice servanthood. To practice servanthood. Look with me at Philippians chapter two. It's a few books past the one we're in. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter two. Verse five is just where I'm gonna start today. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Some translations say, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself. Look at that verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. What cross? What an example. What an example. 
As Jesus washed his disciples' feet in John chapter 13, he says, as, basically, as you've seen me do this to them, so you do this to one another. Wash one another's feet. Servanthood. I love watching this church serve. I love watching the opportunities God gives people in this church to serve. Coming alongside, helping one another. Taking meals to people in need. We just did that this weekend with the, with the bereavement situation. Mowing people's yards. Giving each other vehicles to use. Opening our homes to the homeless. Some of you have done that. One of the neat ministries that some of you have taken on, and it's not a formal ministry, is just giving rides to widows whose husbands drove them around, and now they need help. You've done that. Boy, that's such a blessing. One of our ladies uh, helps with our nursing home ministry, and she's always over there visiting the folks next door. Helping people move. One of our grace groups, I was, uh, got, a, got a report of this group of young adults, how they've had to move a lot of folks. Young adults do that. They said, what we do is we just come in and, and some of our people watch the kids. Some of our people pack the boxes. Some of our people load the trucks and we load loan trucks and trailers and send people off to other parts of the country. Look, that's servanthood. Let me tell you something. I, I think that is really servanthood. When God calls someone away from your town to go to another place and you help them load the truck. People tell me, we're moving. And I'm like, okay, I'm not helping you move. Not really. But I'm thinking that. I'm helping, I'm, I'm helping you leave this place and I love you. Folks, that's servanthood. Belonging means you have opportunities, number six, to strategically focus your prayers on the Great Commission. To strategically focus your prayers on the Great Commission. What this does is it makes your prayers not about you but about others and the needs that are there. You know the model prayer, some people call it the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's great commission praying. That's not just praying about me and my stuff. I, me, and my. It's about taking my eyes off of myself. See, that's what belonging to a body means. It means you get your eyes off of yourself and it's not about you and your preferences. You begin to pray for the needs of others. So important. I jotted down three areas we get to pray for. We get to pray for people who don't know Christ. We get to pray for the lost. That lost is not a churchy term. It's a biblical term. Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. That's a person who hasn't come to know Christ. I like what one person says, that the, those who have not been saved yet, those who, who, got, who God's heart goes out to, we're called to pray for them. Maybe a coworker, a family member, someone that you don't even know personally, but you know who they are praying for the lost. We get to pray for our community. Several times we prayer walk the schools in, in Rockport, just going around praying for the teachers and, and ministry there. It's really neat how some of the schools we've walked around and prayer walked, God is now opening doors of opportunity to minister to the homeless kids in those schools. And I kind of track back to when we prayer walked those schools. We had no idea that ministry was going to open up, but God has opened that ministry up. And then lastly, to pray for our leaders. God calls you to pray for your spiritual leaders. I, I've got a group of statistics here about pastors and how stressed they are, so you'll know how to pray, okay? 90% of this is a result of surveys. They're asking guys like me, how's it going? 90% of pastors surveyed feel fatigued and worn out every week. 80% will not be in the ministry 10 years after they signed up. 
91% have experienced some type of burnout in ministry. 18% in the survey said they are fried to a crisp right now. 70% constantly fight depression. 80% believe their pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. 33% said it's an outright hazard to their families. 90% say they haven't received adequate training to do their job. 50% feel so discouraged they would leave their ministry if they could, but many of them just can't. Folks, you need to pray for your pastors. If you have a pastor in another church, pray for him. Pray for me. Pray for Andy. Pray for those that God has called into spiritual leadership in this congregation. John Maxwell suggests five things to pray for your pastors. Pray that they'll know God's will. Pray that they'll do God's will. Pray for fruitfulness. Pray for God's power in their lives. Pray that they would have the right attitude. And I think it's that Philippians 2 attitude, Christ's attitude of humility. So I was going through that list and thinking about, man, I'm, I, we need prayer. And I thought, what about all the volunteer leaders in our congregation? What about those of you who work 40 to 70 hours a week in a job, and then you volunteer at Coastal Oaks Church? Most of you serve as volunteers. Some of you not only commit to a ministry, but you commit to, to go into meetings to plan and talk about and evaluate that ministry. Some of you are parents who spend your whole week with little ones. And when you get to church, you even serve in the nursery, in the preschool. Some of you are stretched, but you want to serve. I'm impressed by that, but I, I want you to know, I believe that has a lot of stress attached to it. So here's my suggestion how to pray for ministry volunteers here at Coastal. First of all, pray that they stay faithful and maintain their relationship with Christ. Pray that their ministry would not take the place of their relationship with Christ. That it wouldn't be a substitute for walking with Christ. Pray that volunteering for them would be a joy, not a burden. Pray that they'd be good stewards of their time. That they can balance work, family, and volunteer ministry. Pray for them. Paul said in Philippians 1, I thank my God every time I remember you, always praying with joy for you all in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, he who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Pray for your leadership. It's an opportunity you have, a benefit. And lastly, the last benefit, the last opportunity is you have an opportunity to be involved in something bigger than yourself. An opportunity to be in, involved in something bigger than yourself. Again, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul says, I tell you not to think of yourself more highly than you should. Can I say it another way? It is not all about you. And some of us need a weekly reminder, if not a daily reminder, that the Christian life is not all about you. It's about your relationship with Christ. And as he calls you to put others first, something bigger than yourself. Paul Tripp has written a book called Quest for More. And in it, it's a challenge that, that we would leave behind the kingdom of self and the world of I, me, and my and embrace the kingdom of God. I love that. Being a part of a local body, one of the benefits of belonging is you get to make it not about you all the time. We need that. We need that reminder. I was recently reading about a celebrity who went through a, a, a cancer and treatment, and at the end of that, she had some uh, 
philosophical things to say about life. She's a producer for one of those shock radio shows. This is what she said after her 17 months with cancer and radiation and chemo. She said, I, what I learned is very simple, that your life belongs to you. And it really doesn't matter what you do with it, but it should be what you want to do with it. Not what mother, father, friend, society wants. It should be I directed with quotes. And that's the only purpose for being here. Folks, she has perfectly described the opposite of what the Bible says. Life is not about me. And I need, I need regular reminders. And being a part of a body of believers helps me have this regular reminder that I can put others before myself, that other things, that other ministries, that other kingdom things are more important than me. I read about a recent study with 130-something uh, multiple sclerosis patients. They formed two groups. And one group, they said, we're going we're gonna to teach them coping skills. And the other group, we're going to have them meet monthly with another group of multiple sclerosis patients so that they can learn some skills. So they said, which group is going to fare better? And of course, you know, I'm sure they assumed the ones that met. They found there really wasn't much difference in the two groups, but they learned something they didn't expect to learn. You know who grew more than anybody? The patients who came in to do the encouraging. Those are the ones who were encouraged more. Those are the ones, and they even clinically say that these people underwent a, a, a spiritual transformation that gave them a refreshed sense of who they are and their worth. Folks, that's servanthood. That's making it not about you. That's saying there's something bigger out there than myself. If you're a part of Coastal Oaks Church, maybe you just need a reminder today. What, what kind of benefits do you have? Thank God for that. Maybe when we have a time of commitment in a minute, you just need to come on your knees and say, thank you, God. Maybe God's reminded you of some things you've taken for granted. Maybe you're, maybe you're one of those people who signed up for the gym, who signed up to be a member, and stuff has happened, life has happened, and you just kind of wane back and sort of become apathetic, and today you just need to be on your knees and say, God, I'm coming home. Maybe you're here today and you need Jesus as your Savior, and you want to belong in a way that You've never belonged before. You need to be a part of God's family, not just a local family, but God's family. We'd love to help you with that decision to trust Christ. Let's pray together.